I've always been interested in and sometimes uh, fascinated uh, by philanthropy, particularly faith-based giving. So I share with you that I'm kind of excited uh, to be part of a church that is coming together to do something that is challenging but stands to be greatly rewarding and I know that it will bring glory to God. I appreciate Randy yielding most of the pulpit today so that I, on behalf of your elders, can have a one-sided conversation with you, our church family, about the Building to Serve generosity campaign. If you're visiting with us, I regret in one way that you're not getting all Randy, but perhaps you'll get some insight into us as a church here and that it'll make you want to come back because this is an amazing church family. After I'm done, Randy will close us out. For some of you, what I'm sharing is a little bit repetitive. Earlier last fall, a Sunday night connect was dedicated to communicating with the church about the OC Outreach Center, with Jeff White moderating a panel discussion that presented a lot of information, and it had a Q&A at the end. But maybe a hundred were in attendance. And while there have been several announcements from this pulpit, and you'll recall Gary Ely, our consultant preaching and teaching one Sunday, and the handing out of packets on Sunday, December 17th, it is really this new year that kicks us off, and so much is about to unfold. However, there have been several questions asked. There's been a concern or two or three expressed, and maybe a touch of confusion. And understanding group dynamics, there are others that likely have the same questions. To all of this, we as elders say thank you. Thank you for asking. Being a shepherd of a church is not easy, but what makes it a joy being one at West 7th is that we know you trust us. We passionately want to communicate well and never do anything to rattle that trust. We as shepherds have had to remind ourselves that not only is a capital campaign new to the West 7th Church, it's also new to us as elders. We're family, and healthy families talk, and while it is our preference to reserve Sunday morning worship for just that, pure worship, this part of our worship today I want to talk on behalf of our shepherds and give important clarity. In August of 2021, almost two and a half years ago now, the executive director of Centerstone Mental Health called Randy out of the blue. She reminded him of how our church had been a good neighbor to them through the years, and she told them, she told him that at her request, the Centerstone board had authorized her to privately contact him to see if the church would be interested in a private sale of the building. Price tag, $750,000, well under market price. Now, being on the tail end of the COVID pandemic, two facts existed right then. Centerstone leadership had learned that much of their administrative work could be done remotely. West Seventh Church of Christ learned that from COVID that we needed to be together. Randy told her that he would take her inquiry to the elders and that we, we would respond.
Our deliberations were bathed in prayer, thoughtful, and we did our best to make a pros and cons list, but it was a very lopsided list. We determined that the opportunity was providential. That 10,000 square foot building and parking lot adjacent to our campus should be reserved for the Lord's work in downtown Columbia. Why? This is where vision comes in that some have asked about. Our church's tagline is discipling, equipping, serving, and loving. Most of that requires physical engagement and space. The fact is that in our country, downtown and urban churches have struggled for decades. They run out of space or the neighborhood goes bad. So they take the money, they head to the suburbs and forever lose the local influence on the ones that need the church the most. Look at us. We have the wealthy, we have middle class, and we have the disadvantaged all surrounding our campus here. And here's a unique truth about downtown Columbia. People are moving in, not out. Many of you know better than me about what's about to be constructed just below the courthouse square, the Drake, a residential development of 300 units. If we're prepared for space with ministry, we can find ways to engage with those people and all the other people that are taking up residence in our downtown district. Some of those residents would be thrilled to be part of an active and growing and serving church that they could walk to. We need to declare and to show this community our commitment to being here. Let me go another direction about the need for the building that we bought. The question has been asked. This church has a history of good vision and executing that vision. And we should be good students from past experiences of this congregation. I won't go back to 1848, our origins, but consider when this auditorium we're sitting in was built in 1925, a great vision of trusting God got them here. You might have heard the story of the penny drive. How'd they do all that? The building consisted of this auditorium and small classrooms that are right behind the screen up here. Mike Kessler, he wasn't here, but... But Mike Kessler says the fireside room below us was just crawl space. I can picture in my mind a few years later after it was built, some thoughtful members sitting around and saying to each other, I am so thankful for this building. Look what the Lord's done. Time went on, and in the late 50s, the first educational wing just to our your left here was built. I picture a few years later some teachers after Sunday school looking at each other and saying, how in the world could we possibly teach these children without these classrooms? Isn't this great? Then in the early 90s, the church built the second educational wing uh, that is today's teen center and the classrooms above it. Those classrooms above have been in continual use and just picture church life without the versatile and constant use of the teen center. And then 2004, 2005, 
and the commitment of this church to building the family center. You and I, a lot of us, can sit and talk about how we've witnessed today the blessings that that facility has been. VBS, coffee fellowship, receptions, block parties, trunk retreats, holiday and special events around the year, Cox Middle School banquets, various civic events, and we've worshiped in there too, which I enjoy. I couldn't think of it all. And don't forget Faith Farm. What a wonderful ministry that it's been. Let's talk about outreach and what it means in the outreach center. Some have asked, is this building really going to be used to serve our community in the world? Yes. You'll recall that our food pantry will be moving to a space in the OC, the outreach center, that is larger and more user-friendly for our recipients. We give a lot of non-perishable food away to this community each week, and that ministry just needs to grow. Another dedicated space will be provided for the sewing ministry. They provide many important items to several organizations to help others and to bring joy. And I understand now that they are actually developing some other services, service activities for members that don't sew. Now the sewing ministry actually have been pretty comfortable in their present space. But while their new space will be a little larger and very well designed, they have been willing to relocate because we need their rooms in the educational building for our Bible classes. Our children's ministry is growing quickly, and Susie, our children's minister, has been working the elders and staff and calling dibs on much of that space because she knows what's ahead of us. We are quickly gaining more families with children, and we must do a great job in teaching those children about Jesus. Our young families class is packed, and on Christmas Eve Sunday, I happened to escort a visitor to the college age and young professionals class way up in the third floor in the tower, we call it. There was a good 25 up there. Kind of tight in there with Philip and Marty in that class. And most people would be surprised how much this campus is used beyond Sundays and Wednesday nights. We certainly may need to use a room or two for a couple of hours on Sunday uh, in the new outreach center. But the rest of the week, may God use us to serve and to love. Ministry ideas are already bubbling up. Adrian and I even have one. But we really, we really have no idea what God has in store. Who would have thought that one of the first significant uses of the family center went open, when it was open? Paint wasn't hardly even dry. Was as a staging location for supplies for the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Didn't see that one coming. Businesses plan for growth. Schools plan for growth. Shouldn't the Lord's Church at West 7th plan for growth too? Physically, it's been hard to plan for growth as we are closed in on four sides. That's why we believe the opportunity is providential. We've been given a shot to disciple, equip, serve, and love at another level. Sometimes we need something to jolt us out of our norm, 
challenge us and make us consider our priorities. When we have elders and ministers retreats, we often discuss and pray over how busy with life our families are and how that can affect church life. Satan wants us killing ourselves out there and he wants us in here complacent. But what we know is that our church is at its most effective and at its happiest when we are serving. The real vision is then not what the elders decree, but what rather all of us looking up to God saying, God use us. God use us. We just need to be ready. And while I'm here, let me acknowledge the elephant squeezed in this crowded room. In a recent meeting, the elders had a short discussion acknowledging that we are running out of room in here during worship. Isn't that great? That discussion will have to happen fairly soon. And with all of our open and creative minds and hearts, we as a church will handle it well. Or we can have Steve Kofer do the preaching and Mike Kessler lead the singing. <laughs> that would thin it out. I love you guys. <laughs> now a word about the Building to Serve generosity campaign. This is not about raising money. This is, the money's already here within this family. What we are entering into is designed to be a stewardship and generosity transformation that we are asking God to bless. There are people in this room that are on prayer teams that are praying for this transformation daily. The packet you received has a prayer and scripture guide and a devotional guide designed to help you join in. More info coming on that soon. And the round prayer chips that were in those packets, we hope you'll carry those around as a reminder to pray for this church and the campaign. If you haven't gotten your packet yet, they're in the information center with your name on the envelope. But right now, behind the scenes is a steering committee, a communications team, an administrative team, even a celebration team. You need to know a general timeline. Between now and the middle of March, there will be several special communication efforts through videos, the messenger, bulletin, and on our website. Also, a team is working with our teachers to provide curriculum for several weeks of stewardship studies in February in our Sunday morning classes. Also in February, Randy will begin a series of messages to help us in the transformation, to understand God's blessings through stewardship and giving. And these next 10 weeks will culminate on March the 17th with Commitment Sunday and a celebration banquet. Now a word about money. There have been several questions about what the goal is and, what it will, and what, how it will be used $750,000 will pay off the existing loan for the purchase of the building. And $1.25 million will be spent to remodel the building. So while $2 million will cover those costs, $2.5 million is the stretch goal. The extra monies will cover furnishings for the building. And by then, we know that we're going to need to do some significant work to the west wall of this auditorium and some significant window work needs to be done in here.
But back to the Outreach Center, a committee led by Tom Anderson and, and assisted wonderfully by Seth Howell, spent well over a year consulting a designer and architect and multiple contractors to make sure that we were spending the Lord's money wisely. The building done well, but nothing extravagant. I know for most of us, $1.25 million feels like a lot of money, and it is. But that number was originally $1.5 million, and the committee did great work to make design and cost adjust adjustments and to negotiate it down to $1.25. Yes, building costs would have been less, maybe much less, 10 years ago. Would have been less 10 years ago. And that's a little frustrating, but consider with me a minute the other side of that 10-year ledger. In the same 10 years, hourly wages have increased 41%. Median household income has gone up about 35%. Stock market returns have popped. The Dow Jones average is up 129%, and the S&P index is up 165% in 10 years. And if you've been blessed to own a home in Murray County the last 10 years, whether it's a small home or a big one, its value has approximately doubled or more in 10 years. Now, a few in this auditorium may not have benefited from any of those statistics I've shared. I understand that, but most all of us have. Hasn't God been good to us? Hasn't God been good to us? When I ended my insurance career three years ago, I began to spend a day or two a week for a while helping my alma mater, Freed Hardeman, in advancement, fundraising. Sometimes someone would make a donation to the university and express an interest in talking further, or we might go see them to thank them for their gift. I was struck at how often this would happen. I would go visit with a couple, maybe in their mid-70s, middle, upper class, upper middle class, Solid neighborhood. They worked hard all of their lives. Lived conservatively. Raised three kids. And they loved their church. They had no intention of ever becoming millionaires. But they are. And they're slightly embarrassed about it. It's a beautiful thing. They don't want a new car. They've got a good one. And spending a bunch of money is just not their thing. But what they are discovering now is that they have resources to impact the kingdom in a significant way and beyond their lifetimes. And it's giving them great joy. I'm nostalgic about our country. And while they weren't perfect, I've grown to appreciate the baby boom generation and what all they accomplished. Adrian and I missed it by a couple of years. Sadly, though, they're beginning to die. And the greatest wealth transfer in the history of our country has begun. Where will it all go? Hear me out on this. If you get hit by a train on your way home from church today, who and what will benefit from your lifetime of accumulation? 
whether it's a modest amount or a large amount. Do your heirs share your values? Will they use a significant portion of your wealth to disciple, equip, serve, and love? Or is this going to be up to you? It's something for us to think about, isn't it? Another money question that's been mentioned is a concern about the economy and the timing of this project. But good and not so good economies come and go. Let's trust God's timing, not the Federal Reserve's or some president's. Another money question has been asked about why we're having a fundraising campaign and not financing the outreach center, say over a 15-year period. Long-term financing is how we did pay for the family center. And a couple of elders have recalled that for at least two of those early years, the interest cost alone was $78,000 a year. That was like 10% of the budget. Interest rates are higher right now than they've been in a long time, so we believe that paying a lot of money in interest would not be a wise use of this church's generosity. We remind you that some fine men in this church did all the demolition work, a new roof has already gone on the OC, and construction is beginning soon. So obviously, we will have short-term financing in place alongside of this three-year campaign. However, interest cost will be a fraction of what they would have been if we used long-term financing. And finally, as a standalone effort, this campaign, let it remind us that we will be giving above and beyond our normal contributions. We as a church have a $1 million budget, annual budget, that serves as the engine for all of our ministries, staffing, and maintenance of our campus. God will bless us in going above and beyond. In thinking about how I wanted to close what I said on behalf of our elders, I couldn't help but think about Solomon. He was a man that was blessed by God with everything a person could possibly want. He had it all, and he did it all. And then he sat down at the end of his life, and he wrote about it. And amongst other powerful things, he said, Fear God and keep his commandments. In this old world, that's really what it's all about, isn't it? It's really what it's all about. And I'll take the liberty of suggesting that four of those commandments that he referenced would be disciple, equip, serve, love. May God bless us in this campaign and in all of our efforts to fear him and keep his commandments. Thank you, John, for your message, your words, and your heart. As stated earlier, uh, your elders are open to your questions. Uh, that is who they are, the kind of leaders they are, and that is the type of church we are. So if you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to keep visiting with us, ask questions. We'd love for you to be a part of it. 
You notice today the small group Bible study follows from Philip Young's message last week. Thank you, Philip, for the excellent message. If you missed it, it's online. You can, you can catch that. I appreciate Chris Burton leading our small group Bible study ministry so well, and he wrote that discussion for tonight. By the way, it's never too late to join a group. Um, just see an elder, a minister, uh, or Chris, and we'll connect you into a group. The next few months hold some special opportunities for this church. Let me just share a few. In a couple of weeks, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, this church is sending a team of four to India for a survey and evangelistic mission trip. Many of you know well Bill and Lola Margaret and their decades-long ministry uh, in India. They have been there much of their lives. They have given much of their resources and uh, much of their hearts uh, to, to the work there. Several of you financially support orphans in Ellaru, where um, Abe Lincoln is the preacher there, and Abe's visited with us. He has spoken here. Uh, sadly, Bill and Lola Margaret no longer consider themselves physically healthy enough, able to make that trip. Uh, and it is uh, uh, quite demanding to that point. So we as a church are, are sending a team to go and survey that work and encourage them. And we're excited about that. I am so grateful that this church is sending uh, Jeff White, Jackson Shamblin, John Simmons, and myself uh, for 16 days. And they will be 16 full days. Bill's Bill has been coaching us for months about the incredible expectations, and we just keep shaking our heads, but we know he's right. Uh, it, it's going to be amazing. Jeff uh, and John uh, are probably the two most uh, well-traveled of the four, but I'm so encouraged that Jackson is going. I don't know if you know this about Jackson, but Jackson has a heart for India. He has been there a number of times on mission trips, spent a whole summer there uh, in a mission internship uh, uh, one summer uh, just after college, and so we're thankful he's a part of the team. I traveled to India uh, just before moving to Columbia. Uh, my ministry friend, my missionary friend there, uh, Jaya Paul, has since been in my home twice, and so I feel like it's time for me to go and see him again. Thankfully, uh, where Jaya Paul is in Ellaru, they're just a couple hours apart, so we're going to get to do that. I do appreciate how Bill's been coaching us, advising us. He's helping us to know what kind of messages to present. He's helping us to know how to dress. He's helping us to know how, how to respond in that culture to make sure that our, our words are heard and our American ways don't get in the way uh, and so that we can be most effective with all that we're doing. We're so thankful. We ask you, as you're sending us, pray, 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 pray. Uh, we have uh, a unique opportunity to go and encourage uh, these brothers and also to preach the gospel. Uh, there is an amazing opportunity when we go. The people will come to hear uh, just out of the novelty of people from America being there, and we will get to share the gospel with them. Uh, so pray that the hearts will be open. <clears throat> there are two Sundays before we leave. And I've already been preparing for those messages, and I'm eager to share. Uh, please come back the next two weeks. I want you to hear these. I think it's going to serve us well, and I'm really excited about that. Barry is going to speak the two weeks that the team is in, uh, in, in India, those two weeks. And on February the 11th 
is when those special messages that John was referring to will begin. But before we close our time this morning, I want to call our attention to the gospel. So open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. The verse is going to be on the screen. We as a church always want to center on the good news of Jesus. Never move past the gospel. What we're going to go share in India is the same message we share here constantly. In fact, I'll share this. Every uh, uh, week we try to share a a Bible-based message. Um, But also there is available a CD of a message I'd given earlier about the gospel. What is the gospel and how do we respond? It's a free CD. We keep copies at the information center and that is for you to use. Any guest who's here, you can grab one, but also for you, if there's someone you want to share that with, like, this is the gospel, and this is what, how we respond to that. And it's just a real simply, uh, a simple message, and it's created for you to use. But look here at Romans chapter 5, and we'll kind of close our thoughts with focusing on what Seth did a great job in our communion time, and Rob and the song selection, the scriptures we read, all of it just as who we are as a church, the good news that we have. Romans chapter 5 begins like this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we, also, and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled by God to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. If you've got your Bibles open, or maybe the next time you're reading through Romans chapter 5, I hope you've marked this passage. I hope when you think of, you know, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Romans 5 is one of the passages that, that comes to mind. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Through Jesus. Look what it says here, verse 10. We're now reconciled to God. Our sins had separated us. We were due the wrath of God. And it would be just. It would be right. But now we have peace because of Jesus. Verse 9, we are saved by him. We are justified by his blood. Verse 8, Christ died for the ungodly. Because as we read earlier in verse 1, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. Verse 2, through Jesus, by faith, we have access to this amazing grace. This is incredible news. It's great news. It's the gospel. 
And verse 2 and 3 says, we rejoice in hope. And it even says, we rejoice in sufferings. This is transformative. This is the good news. This is why Jesus came. So we, as a church, we anchor on the gospel. It's, it's, it's our mission. It's, it's the good news. It's why Jesus came. And, and we cannot not talk about it. And so, as a church, we sing this song to encourage you to respond. That you admit, you confess, you, you, you tell others, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. You repent of your sins. You're, you're buried with him in baptism. You receive, as the scripture talks about, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit who has been given to us. You are baptized into him. And we've got this room over here, prayer room. We sing a song to encourage you to respond publicly because there's times where it's, it's public. You want to make that known. And then sometimes it's not public. Sometimes maybe it's just a personal issue. We always have a, one of our shepherds in that room to be there for you after services is over so that you can pray and share whatever it is that would help you in your walk with the Lord. Let's stand and sing this song. And if you need to come to the Lord, won't you come? Amen.